How are we? Good. Jim was right. There is like 175,000 people in here. <laughs> Who's glad we're all back together? I am. I'm excited. Uh, if you're new here, my name's Sam Spence. Uh, I'm an elder here, and I get to serve on the teaching team. And what we're doing right now as a church, we're going through book by book, or chapter by chapter uh, of Mark. So I'm really excited of what I've got for you this morning. And as you came in, you received the world's smallest heart. Does everybody have it? You laugh. Um, it said actual size. It had somebody's hand on Amazon, and the heart was like this big. I don't know what it was an actual size of. So if you have that heart, hold on to it. If you lost it, it's okay. Um, but we're going to do something at the end of our time here together, and I'm, I'm hoping, and we've been praying all morning, that God shows up in your life. So if you still need one of those hearts, you can grab one in the back or raise your hand. Uh, somebody can get you one. So who here this morning loves a good story? Oh yeah, I love a good story, whether it's a movie or a book. One of the things I've learned about being a fairly new parent is kids love stories. So this morning, I've brought my daughter's favorite book, in my opinion, and it's, it's called, those of you up here are reading it, it says, My Dad is Amazing. <laughs> and it's a true book, and I wanted to read it together this morning. And this is funny, Chelsea told me yesterday they read this book 10 times. How frustrating is that if you're a mom, right? <laughs> so I'm going to read this, and we're going to read it together. So my dad is amazing. My dad is cooler than a million popsicles, right? Tougher than a rhino wrestler. Yeah, right? Cuddlier than a bunch of bunnies. Aww. Steadier than a team of turtles. I don't know about that one, but we'll go with it. <laughs> Sweeter than a pile of pancakes. Aren't kids' books the best? They're mainly pictures. Braver than a space explorer. That's a good one. I love this one. Smarter than a super smarty pants. <laughs> yeah, dad's amazing, right? This one's fun. Bigger than a colossal squid. You know, I'm six, two and a half. You know, I'm pretty big. This one's the best. Funnier than a bunch of underpants. <laughs> That one always gets a smile or something. Sillier than a parade of circus clowns. More amazing than a billion galaxies. And get ready to say awe again. And kid, you're amazing too. Isn't that sweet? From a, I know, right? From a young age, people, humans, we love a good story. And this is just a classic in the Spence household. I hope she grows up remembering me reading these silly stories to her. Brings a tear to my eye. And, and thinking about myself, growing up, I loved books as a kid, but as I got older, I started liking magazines a little better, right? I prefer magazines over books, I'm sorry, because there's more pictures. For me, about three quarters of the way through a book, you can laugh at me, it's fine. I start to get bored. If I'm reading like a novel and there's no pictures, I can make it, I see some heads nodding, about halfway to three quarters and I get bored and then I start a new one. That's just the way I am. And I remember college was rough. Those of you that have been in um, higher education or even high school, the textbooks you get, they are brutal, right? I remember going and paying way too much for a textbook, and I open it up, and I'm like, this is not going to go well for me. 
And I remember the class, it was marketing, and they had all these percentages and branding stuff. And I get in there, and then I remember the professor, it was actually taught by two professors, and one was the most boring person I have ever met in my life. I love you if you're watching this, but he knew his stuff. And the other guy was the most hyper person I've ever met. And the only way I passed that class is because the, you'd have the serious one, you know, he would tell you all the specifics, and then the other one would get up and dance it out and act, and he told stories. So for me, stories in college were the only way I passed my economics class. There was something, he would say something, it would relate and resonate with me on a personal level, and then I would remember it. So I'm not a book guy, I'm more of a movie guy. I see some more heads done, because movies are just books, right? They're kind of the same thing, but you get to see what's going on. Man, thank you for full-length films back in 1906, right? I don't know what they did before that. But whether it's a movie or a book, anytime we as humans, we hear a story, there's, there's a biological, a chemical, an emotional, a physical reaction sometimes when we hear these stories. There's a response. And what we're going to see today as we're studying through Mark chapter 4, you can start turning there, we're going to see that Jesus taught many times in the form of a story, also called a parable. So we're going to read here in a moment, um, in Mark chapter 4, we're going to be in verses 1 through 20, and here in a moment I'm going to ask you all to stand. But we see time and time through Scripture, Jesus used stories or parables to help people grasp a concept. Because Jesus, he was trying to teach these people spiritual things he was trying to explain something they, they couldn't see. It was kind of floating around. They couldn't understand. So he would use parables of things that were common to them. You're going to see today was an agricultural reference, something they all would have understood. So when Jesus would go on and he'd say, the kingdom of heaven is like this, a goat, or an unplowed field, people would be like, oh yeah, I saw one of those today. I get that, Right? So scholars estimate that one-third of all Jesus' teachings came in a parabolic format. Other words, a, a, a form of a story. Interesting, right? As humans, we love a story. And there's about 30 parables in the Synoptic Gospels. And what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and stand, and we're going to read one here in Mark 4, 1 through 20. <clears throat> the parable of the sower... Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell in good soil. It came up, grew, produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, and some a 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may, 
they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Then will you not understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seeds along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, the seed, the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they will only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they will quickly fall away. Still others, like the seed, the seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things will come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, produce a crop, some 30, 60, some 100 times what was sown. Let's pray over the word this morning, and then we'll have a seat. God, I thank you for this story. God, I thank you for your, your gentleness. We see that you, you explained this again to people that didn't understand it the first time. God, I pray you be with me this morning. God, please use me to speak your word clearly, God. God, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen. amen. Y'all can have a seat as we story through this. So that's chapter four, verses one through 20. And, and we see it starts off, we're gonna story through this again. Jesus begins teaching by the sea and that's the Sea of Galilee. And there was a great amount of people, and I like to think there were so many people he had to, like, get out on a boat, right, because they were crowding. Um, so he was out on a boat. He was facing the land. He was sitting. The crowd was standing. And he begins to paint this picture in a story form. And he did it in a way, again, that everybody can understand. He didn't come into this country and started talking about big city analogies, right? He didn't say, hey, there was a man on a subway or somebody cut him off in traffic. He was using a story that would apply to them where they were at on their level. So he made it so they were able to relate. So this agricultural story, something very, very familiar, he talked about a man. He, this man was carrying a bag of seeds. The man would reach into his seed bag and with, with one hand, and he would walk out into the fields and sow or scatter the seed. And we see in Scripture that uh, in this story, some of the seed, it would fall on the footpath. And this footpath was hard-packed soil because people and animals walked on it. Part of the seed would fall in a soil where there were, were other plants, other weeds. And we also see that some would fall in, in shallow soil with rock underneath. And then some seed would fall into good soil. And it would produce hundredfold it would be very fruitful. So knowing that this is a very familiar seed, they probably saw some dude doing that that morning. He tells this parable, and he does, a, he does this, it's a sermon in a parable form. We see in verse 10, um, but when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. I think this is hilarious because they didn't get it the first time, right? And they waited. They were probably sitting there going, yeah, Jesus, amen, that's a great story, and they're looking at each other like, what is he talking about? So I think this is super cool in verse 10. They, come, they circle back around and be like, what's this all about? And Jesus breaks it down. They waited till the crowd went away. That's hilarious to me. Uh, so, he, so Jesus' response, he says to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. 
And now he's going to quote a very uh, famous text that they all would have understood at that time. Um, If you've read the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, you would understand it as well. And it says, when, when God told the prophet Isaiah to go, go speak to the people of Israel, God spoke these specific words, uh, so that seeing that they may see and not perceive, and hearing, and they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven to them. We see, in looking at this, we see this is your first fill in the blank, that parables are going to serve two purposes. And this is what we're seeing in Mark. We're going to see that parables, they revealed truth and they concealed truth. And it all depended on who you were and what kind of heart you had when you're listening. But you see, when we look at the, the human heart or the condition of human hearts, that's what we're looking at this morning. And some of you are putting two and two together. I have a microscopic heart in my hand and we're talking about hearts, right? You're like, light bulb moment. That's where we're going. We're going to look at the condition, the conditions um, of the human heart this morning. And, and in studying for this, I heard a pastor talk about parables this way. It, it, might, it was enlightening for me, and it might be enlightening for you as well. He was comparing parables to windows and mirrors. So let's think about that, windows and mirrors. And, and what he was saying is windows um, show you God more clearly, and mirrors show yourself more clearly. So parables are kind of like windows and mirrors because as you, you read and you understand the truth as God reveals it to you, you can see yourself in the light of truth. But also, it can be like a window and you can see God more clearly. To me, that was pretty cool. That helped me understand this a little bit better. It can reveal, it can clarify. But we see parables, they can also conceal the truth. We could spend the whole morning talking about this, but we're going to move on uh, and talk about hearts a little bit. Because we see people, um, when Jesus was speaking to these people, there were people there that had hardened hearts. They were there. They were maybe criticizing the sermon. You know, maybe these people were were challenging or like, I don't know if that was quite right. So there are people there that were hard-hearted. They were unfazed, and the truth wouldn't be penetrated into their hearts. So what we're seeing is illustrations and stories are easy for us as humans to grab and to understand. So our first point, parables conceal truth from those whose hearts don't want to receive it, and it would deepen the truth, reveal truth in a deeper way to them. But others who have hardened hearts, it would be concealed. Does everybody understand that point? Okay, good. Very good. So Jesus goes on, and he, remember, these, these, these guys are confused, so he's going to break it down um, here in verse 14. So what we see is the sower is the person, Jesus, Jesus is talking, who dispenses the gospel, you know, throwing out the seed. This is God's word. And so in this story, Jesus is the sower. Um, and eventually it would be his disciples, and then down the line, it's you and I, us together. We have opportunities to be the sower to sow the good news, to sow God's word. Today, I'm blessed to be doing it, but you guys have opportunities to do it every day too, in your place of work, at the gas station, at Pizza Hut, wherever you go, right? Pizza Hut's awesome. (laughs) We're not getting paid by Pizza Hut. I don't know where that came from. So what happens is you sow the gospel when you tell somebody about Jesus, when you tell somebody the good news. So that's what Jesus is telling them. 
And then we see him, he starts talking about the soil. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time here this morning. Okay, it's some good old application. We're going to be looking at four types of soil, and you'll see these in your notes. Um, and what these soils are re representing are the four types of human heart conditions, right? And so it's our goal, as we travel through this parable, that everybody identifies where they are at, and to just be honest to yourself and honest to God. That is the goal before the end of our time here together, and then we're going to respond together as a church in worship, um, and there's going to be a call to action. So you're, you're going to get up, okay? That's our prayer. So let's jump in. So verse chapter 15, if you're following around, the first soil we see is, oops, I forgot that and that. There we go. Hardened heart, okay? This is what we see um, in verse 15. This is the hard-packed soil. The people that hear the word, they hear what is being sown, but Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. And this is what you would call the hardened heart. So picture a guy, okay? Uh, he's got a bag of seed. He's, he's out in the Middle Eastern field. He's throwing out the seed. In this day and age, it would be common for a flock of birds to be following him, okay? Or if you've ever been to a pond and you've had bread and the ducks attack you, right? That's kind of what's going on here. Um, or pigeons, you know, if you're ever trying to eat and there's a seagull or a pigeon, they're there, they're ready because they're going to get some food. That's kind of what's happening. Wherever there was a sower, there were birds that would follow because they want a quick and easy meal. So whenever that seed fell on the hard footpath, the birds would come and grab it as soon as it hit the ground. Jesus is telling us that Satan is that bird. He comes and immediately grabs the word that was sown in their hearts. Isn't that a disturbing image to think about? Amen. Yes, it, it, it's, it's, really, it's really crazy because we see in Scripture, Satan rouse around like a roaring lion, but we don't hear like a little pigeon, right? But think about it. That's what, what he's being compared to because it happens and it's quick. The sad thing is people like this exist, and a person that is living with this heart, they're not open to spiritual truths. And the majority of the time, they've been hurt. And this comes back to a trauma. Maybe another Christian hurt them, or a church hurt them, or, or something happened in their life, and they, they can't fully grasp why God would allow that to happen to them. So these are some characteristics you would see of a person that has a hardened heart. And most, uh, we were talking in teaching team on Tuesday, most of the time, this hardened heart is a form of self-protection. It's a, I'm not going back there again. I'm not going to be allowed to be hurt in that way. And you notice that statement, I. This person is typically living for themselves. They've got the walls put up. They're not, I'm not going to believe in God because of this. And they almost always have an answer. I'm not going to do that because of this. I'm not going to be vulnerable because of this. I'm not going to soften my heart. It's I, 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 me, me, me. I'm in my own little fortress here. This is that, the hard footpath. It's scary. People that have, have wounds and hurts, it's scary. So this morning, if, if you've made it here and you have a hardened heart, first of all, I'm glad you're here. You're brave, right? Amen. Because you've been through stuff. We've all been through situation, situations. But what happens if you harden your heart You've allowed Satan to come and take the word of God that's been given to you. Doesn't that make you angry? 
Because that, to me, that just makes me sick to my stomach to think that Satan comes and just steals like that. That is just so, that's so wrong. So that's the hard heart. Some people, they've hardened their hearts so much, you could put the most gifted, the most talented, the most powerful teacher or evangelist in the world in front of them, and it still wouldn't be accepted. That's just the reality we live in. What a tragedy to live with a completely hardened heart. So that's the first type of soil we see. Uh, The second type we see is in verse 16. It says, Those who hear the word, they immediately receive it with gladness, so there's an emotional re- response, but we see they have no roots, so they endure only for a time, and they get taken out. This person we would call the emotional heart. They hear it, they respond, but there's no roots in their faith. So I guess you could call, when you look at our discipleship wheel, I just thought of this, this would maybe be the spiritual infant, right? You've accepted Jesus, but that's kind of all it's went. That's, it hasn't went any further because there's rocks in the soil. So this person, we see, they receive it with gladness, they hear the gospel, they respond, but they have no roots, and so they can only endure for a while. So it's yes, amen, Jesus, hallelujah. They get involved, they respond quickly, but as soon as the things of the world come, what, what, what do you see happens in Scripture? They get taken out. They don't have their roots to survive the storm. So, so this person, they might stray away from the church eventually. They, they might be all in, and then their attendance starts dropping. Or they join a small group, and then it's less of a priority. When things get tough, they, they burn out. They don't have the root system to survive the storms. And another characteristic you're going to see of a person that's living this way with this heart, they're only really around when things are going well, or they want something. I'm just being honest. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not sorry, but (laughs) yes. So this person with the emotional heart, they're probably not going to be taking spiritual disciplines very seriously. So they're not going to have a consistent prayer life. They're not going to have a consistent scripture reading. They're not going to be involved or intimate with another group of believers. They're, They're not taking it serious. So all this to say, this is an emotional, very self centered as well. These first two are very self-centered Christianity. Well, the first one's really not at all because you're so hard. So what happens when you live with this heart? You are choosing. All these are choices, by the way. You're intentionally choosing not to develop your roots. So you're just setting yourself up to be taken out. So you're identifying with Christ, right? But you're not willing to prepare or protect or grow that word to protect yourself from the enemy, Satan is swooping around like a seagull, right? We just read that. Or a lion. It's a, cho- it's a choice. Growing is a choice. So that's the second heart we see. And then we're going to look at the third heart, and we see this in, in verse 18. And these are the ones who hear the word, they accept the word, but they continue to live for things of this world. And we're going to land the plane here a bit for a while because my guess is 75 percent of us are going to fall in this camp, myself included. This is what we call the crowded heart. We see in Scripture, the seed goes in, the gospel is accepted, the soil's pretty good, but there's some, some contest in the soil. There's some weeds. There's other plants. 
There's a lot going on in this soil, this life. It's a busy heart. It's a crowded heart. Have you guys ever seen a yard with a lot of weeds? It's not a very pretty yard, is it? No, it's not. And when you see these yards, if you've ever been around uh, like golf courses or, or landscaping, these weeds, they're bullies, right? These weeds, they take away nutrients and things in the soil that the grass needs. And we're going to talk about this because the weeds are the things of this world, whether that be uh, wealth, status, fame, earthly worries, fear, belongings, careers, cars, money, watches, whatever, things of the world, these are the weeds that can enter into our life. And these things are going to contest the word that's been sown in us. They're going to steal from it, steal from what God is calling you to do. And this is why I say, I would guess most American Christians have had a heart like this, or they are currently living with this heart. Because it, it's hard to live and reject culture. Okay, that's something we live in every day. It's a part of our lives. It's hard to be different. But here's what makes this one very, very tricky. Some people, some Christians can go their whole life having a crowded heart or having some weeds in their life. It's possible to go to church every day, to be in small group, to do everything right, but still have weeds in your soil. You can still hold on to worldly things. But what's going to happen is that's going to hinder you. Because those things of, those, of the world, they're stealing things in your soil that you could be feeding your spirit. So if you look at it, it's a spectrum, you know? We all probably have some weeds. But this morning, are you coming? Are you 50% weeds, 50% Jesus, 50% God? Are you 75% weeds? Are you 25% living for God? Or are you 75% God, 25% weeds? See what I mean? It can be a spectrum. God has given us position, authority on this earth. He wants more for us than things of this world. But why do we choose to have these weeds in our soil? Because what happens is these weeds... What happens when you focus on things of this world? Whatever gets your time, attention, and behavior, that's where your priorities are. Is that God or is it things of this world? Because some weeds are pretty. Have you guys some? There, there are pretty weeds out there. I, I don't know the scientific names of them. The dandelion's a weed, and it can maybe look pretty, right? It can be appealing, but at the end of the day, it's still a weed. It's just a weed. The things of this world, they can choke out a Christian. They can distract a Christian. They can hinder a Christian. Because things of this world, the enemy can keep you busy, and sometimes that's just enough to keep you busy, to keep you limited, to have you living life at a lower standard, not to your full potential, choking the life and the capacity out of you so you never become who God wants you to be. That's what we're seeing can happen with a crowded heart. You are choosing to limit yourself by allowing things of this world into your life. So are you prioritizing your time in the Bible? Are you prioritizing your time in small groups? What gets your time, what gets your attention, and what gets your behavior? I want to ask you all that this morning. What's getting your attention? What's getting your time? What's getting your behavior? And I'm going to get vulnerable here because from personal experience, I spent 
pretty much my whole life here, okay? I would say 32 years, right? Because when I was in my younger 20s, I had more weeds than I had seeds. I'll be honest. I was living for things of this world. I had Jesus. I, I accepted God into my life, but I had more weeds than I did seeds. And that's not a very fun place to live. So my whole life, I've been trying to attack these weeds with the, the roundup, right? And maybe some of you guys can relate to me. And, and to this day, I still have some weeds that pop up that need a little treatment, that need a little roundup. Because here's what I've learned personally. Living life with this heart is exhausted. It's truly exhausting. Because when you live like this, you're miserable because you're trying to balance and make it work. I want the things of the world, but I also want the greatness of God. It, it doesn't work like that. If you try to do the same at both times, here's what happens. And I, I heard this quote, it's not mine. When you live in these two kingdoms, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God, you end up staying close enough to the world to be, a mis- to be miserable as a Christian but you have enough of Jesus Christ to be miserable living in the world. Think about that. You're you're miserable. You're lukewarm, and we see what the Bible talks about lukewarm. You do not want to be lukewarm. So that's the crowded heart. And then we're not going to spend much time on this last one here, but this is the fruitful heart. This is the last soil we see. This is the perfect soil that's ready to be used. We see in uh, verse 20, there are the ones sown on good ground who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. This is the fruitful heart. This heart, it's receptive, it's open, it's been cultivated, the ground's been broken. You don't have to beat it to penetrate it to allow the seed in. It's ready, it says, I'm all yours. Let's do this, God. Talk about a beautiful place to be in. That's what I long for every single day. I want my soil, I want the weeds out so I can be like this. These people are available. They're not consumed of the world. They're not chasing fame, status, wealth. They're not really worried about what other people think of them. They're worried about what God thinks of them. And here's what's really, really cool because these are the people that God can use. And when I say use, I mean, he can use all of us, but he can really use these people. Because look at what it says, 30-fold, 60, and 100-fold. He's going to use you that much. That's 3,000, 6,000, and 10,000% return on your investment. I would take that financial deal, right? God can use you to that capacity if you are willing to have a fruitful heart. And most of us, we're going to be fighting weeds our whole life. We're going to have something in here, but this is the goal all of us should be shooting for this fruitful heart. Because when you become available, that's when God shows up and uses people. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Look at the average people he used throughout Scripture. He loves using average, ordinary people. That's in his game plan. But if you choose to live life with a hardened heart, whether that's fully hardened or even half-hardened, or an emotional heart or a crowded heart, you're choosing to limit your God-given potential. It is a choice. It's absolutely a choice. So these are the four hearts we see in the parable. 
They're up here on the screen. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to move into a, a time of challenge. We can go ahead and dim the lights to our challenge time. When you walked in, you were given a tiny little heart, and hopefully you haven't lost it yet because they are very tiny, and now it's dark. <laughs> so good luck. Um, so if you lost it, it's fine. Um, I'll explain what we're going to do. Our worship team's going to come up, um, and our prayer team's going to make their way to the sides uh, as well. And what we're going to do the heart that you were given this morning symbolizes the heart you came in this morning with. Okay, you walked in with a heart condition today. And that little heart you've been given represents that. Maybe you walked in here today with a hardened heart. That little heart represents your hardened heart you came in with today. Maybe for you, you're the emotional heart. You came in here, your roots are a little shallow. That little heart is your emotional heart today. Maybe this morning you were handed the crowded heart. Maybe this morning you, you've realized, you know, I've got a lot going on in my soil. That's your little heart, the crowded heart. And this isn't in my notes, but just thinking today's the last day of the fast, or yesterday. I, I'm not sure. I'm going to keep mine going. And if this has been a good season for you today, maybe you fasted something that was a weed in your soil. And maybe today it's time to say, you know what? I don't want to put that weed back in my soil. I cut that out. It's been a good thing. And maybe today when you respond, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. When you respond, you tell Jesus, you know, I'm not putting that back in. And I want to choose to have a fruitful heart. Isn't that cool? So here's what's going to happen you're going to have the opportunity to leave here with a different heart than you came with. So you'll see tables, much like our communion tables. Our band's going to play two songs. So you're going to have eight minutes, nine minutes um, to respond in your own time. If you would like, it's my, I, I'm challenging you. I hope everybody in here wants to leave different than you came. So please, as you feel led, take that little heart. There's a basket that says old heart. Place that heart you came in with in the old basket and then take a new heart out of the new basket and take that with you this week. Take it home, tape it on your car mirror, your windshield, somewhere where you, you're, you're making a decision to say, you know what, God? I want to do something about this. And in doing so, Pastor Jim has prepared um, a little sheet for you here to help you. This morning's mainly been about identifying your heart. And that's only half the battle. So once you identify, you need to attack. And Jim's got your attack plan right there. And this morning, maybe this has been a little emotional for you or you would like some prayer. Uh, our prayer team's available and they have lanyards just like this. It says prayer team. Um, we've got Jim over here. We've got some in the back uh, over here behind the screen. I'll be down here too. If something's coming up in your life, if, if something emotional is happening within you, come, come seek prayer. We would love to pray for you because you've been prayed for this morning already. So that's the challenge. Do you want to leave with the heart you came in with? Or do you want to leave with something better? Do you want to leave a better person? So let's bow our heads and pray and then our worship team's going to lead us in this time of response. If you need prayer, go get prayer. We, we want to pray for you. But as you are led, 
trade in that old heart for something new. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for loving us so much that you break it down in parables so we can get it, so we can understand it. God, I want to pray for those in the room that have a hardened heart. God, please speak to them to soften, to penetrate their heart, God, to convict them this morning. God, same thing with the emotional heart. Holy Spirit, speak to them, reveal to them that this isn't where I should be as a Christ follower. God, I also want to pray for the crowded heart because this morning there's a lot of people that need to let some things go this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking this morning, for using me. Jesus, we love you. We want to live for you and not things of this world. So, so Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Join us in worship. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all can respond as you're ready.